basically you've been selling out rooms since you were very young because you would drop little tickets and hand them around to your family and do little performances in your bedroom, right? I did. Yeah, I used to get the crayons out and force them to uh, to come and listen to some songs in my room. I, I definitely was guilty of doing that. <laughs> so what kind of setup did you have in there? Like how old were you when you were doing that? Probably four, five, six, somewhere in there. And I had those sliding, um, you know, closet kind of doors that were on a track. And so right. I pulled them back just a little bit and turned the closet light on so that there was like side lighting happening and turned the rest of the, the lights off. So it was like showtime. I remember doing that. <laughs> and so do you remember back then a feeling of what music made you feel like do you remember a certain moment in your life where it really started to take hold for you it's kind of hard to, to completely trace it to a specific moment because i really just feel like it was something that was innately a part of my identity it was like i just always loved music and i remember you know being i think five years old and asking my mom to to find me some singing lessons that I wanted to go to like a music class. And um, I just, I, f I felt from an early age how much joy I saw music, you know, bring and put on people's faces, a smile on and it made me go, oh, I like this. I wanna, I wanna do, do more of it. And I was always just a very like inquisitive kid. And, and I mean, I learned to read following along the lyric booklet to my favorite records, mm -hmm. driving around in the backseat as a kid. and. And I'd read the liner notes of who wrote the song and where it was produced or recorded and just was fascinated by all the different things about music. And I just loved how how it made me feel. And um, I I do think there was a defining moment when I was nine years old. I was a, like the biggest Shania Twain fan. I knew every song forward and backwards. And um, I I got tickets as a as a gift of an, an early Christmas present to get to go and see her show at the Rexall place in Edmonton and my family and I made the five hour road trip from Grand Prairie and I'd made a sign that said Shania can I please sing with you and just before we walked out the door of the concert I convinced my mom to make me this costume to look like her Miami concert DVD <laughs> so I had like <laughs> the glue gun yellow ribbons on the side of my pants and a yellow ponytail on top of my head and and I was so excited just to get to watch the show and and I just believed, I was like, mom, I'm gonna sing with Shania tonight, which is crazy. And I, I, I know now how wild that is, but, but it actually happened. And I mean, I stood there and held my sign and was just singing my heart out. And she came around during the show, reached out her hand and, and flukily, you know, pulled me up on stage. And I'll never forget that moment of standing next to my hero in front of 18,000 people and you know it's just kind of like this fog from the stage where you you can't really see the crowd past the lights but you hear them and and I just stood there in what looked like a dream that I had literally had and 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 was like this is it this is what I want to do for the rest of my life and so now it's it's definitely my goal to to get to pay that feeling forward in some sold out arena show someday and just just keep passing that that light forward because it definitely lit a fire in me that night. So, uh, but yeah, that was probably, I would say the most defining moment where I was like, yep, yeah, this is it. And what was it like in 2018 when you actually finally got to meet her 
and talk about that story. That was wild also. I mean, we, I found myself at this Billboard music event and it was happening in this kind of hotel um, conference room sort of thing. And she was on stage presenting an award and I was standing in the audience going, I didn't even sneak in here. Like I was also <laughs> invited to this event, which is crazy. And I saw her up on stage and, and one of my dear friends, Katie McCartney, who um, used to work with Shania, you know, grabbed, pulled me over and was like, come here for a second and brought me right over to her and introduced me. And I mean, I love to talk to people and I couldn't find any words to string together. I was like, what do you say to somebody who's just had such a huge impact on on your life like that and, and who made a literal dream actually happen in real life? So um, I, I think I mustered out a thank you and, and it was a good thing that Katie could kind of help me tell a, a bit of the story and I had a picture that that um, that we had, we had got from the night at the concert. So I showed her, she's like, is that you? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a really, really cool moment. We got a new picture. So we updated that, that moment. And uh, it was, it was really so, so cool to get to meet her again and thank her. And in those moments, like I know also that growing up singing at your local rink, the Canadian anthem was another thing that you used to do. And in your career, you've had the chance to do that on a really big stage at some CFL games at the NHL All-Star game. So when you get to do those things, does it bring those memories just rushing back to you? Oh, it does. Every time I sing the very first line of, of O Canada, I am eight years old standing on the ice at the you know at the the bows arena in 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 grand prairie with my storm storm hockey jersey on and i i mean it just the memory is so attached to the to the national anthem for me um that was one of my very first consistent jobs as a singer was to get to sing for all the local games and um i used to stand by the ice and kind of sing along to the warm-up songs that the players would be out there skating to and then as soon as the the zamboni would come out i knew i had about 15 minutes to show time and and then i'd go and, and sing my heart out and i loved it i um it was definitely it's very surreal to get to to still sing the anthem at different things it's also the very much the most nerve-wracking song of all songs so um that's a that's another element i never used to i was definitely not nearly as afraid of that as as an eight or nine year old as i am now so <laughs> i think i could use a little bit more of that courage towards it <laughs> that's awesome and at 14 when you started writing did you always write with that really raw and personal energy that you continue to do now? Or at 14, was it more just, you know, a 14 year old putting words down on paper? You know, for me, songwriting has always felt like this kind of spiritual thing, honestly, where it feels creativity in any form to me is that like you, you're the vessel of it. You're just kind of listening to what's coming through. And I have always loved being able to be a storyteller, even before I was writing songs. It's like my my favorite place to write from in my journal or, you know, in English class assignments is always the observer perspective. And just kind of like I find my own emotions and my own understanding or belonging into a situation by sort of taking it in from that third party perspective. So I think that I've always written from from that place. And 
I remember, I think it was the very first song I wrote was um, inspired. We were in our social studies class at school and we were at the time studying a political cartoon about soldiers overseas in Afghanistan. And, and I looked at this and just thought about what it would be, what it would feel like if my dad was one of those soldiers overseas. And it kind of just got my wheel spinning to process that. And I came home from school and, you know, took a couple of the chords that I'd been learning and just sort of wrote a poem about it with, with some music. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, it just, I think from the very beginning, being able to talk about things that are happening in the world that are sometimes harder to have a conversation about. I think music, that's my favorite part of music is it it makes makes it easier. It kind of just lets the walls come down so that you, you can have conversations about some of those harder things. So that's always been a part of the driving force, I think, for me in writing music. And being from Grand Prairie, Nashville is a long way away. And so when you started, like you started going down there when you were like 13, 14, like around 2008. So the first trip that you made, had you already made some connections through your singing at home? Or did you just go down there as a tourist at when you first started going down? So the very first trip to Nashville actually came from somebody that I met at a songwriters workshop in Peace River, Alberta. Funny enough, my like parents accountant saw this poster um, in a coffee shop that said, come and songwrite with some new friends and learn about the music industry and sent a picture of it to my mom. And I was like, what? That sounds like fun. Let's let, I want to go there. So I think I was 13 or 14 and we made the trip up to Peace River. And and one of the mentors who was involved with that workshop um, was a, a gentleman named Tim Taylor, who lived in Nashville and and is an amazing songwriter. And so once the, the workshop had finished, he invited me to, to come and make a trip. So I was so excited. I couldn't, I couldn't hardly stand it. I was, I had been dreaming of getting to go to Nashville and take in the music scene ever since I was a little kid. So my mom and I came and he kind of introduced me to a, a few new songwriting friends. And I wrote some songs in between, you know, driving around the city with my mom would go up and down music row and I'd look at all the the buildings with the the billboards that kind of have these banners that they'll hang in front of the they're really just houses they look like houses they've got a bunch of songwriting rooms or studios in there and so we'd i'd look at them and we'd just keep circling around the block and we went to the grand Ole opry and the bluebird and so definitely did all of the the tourist things at the same time but i mm -hmm. was writing songs on on my very first trip there and then i just would you know, keep asking my, my parents to let me, let me take trips back and forth as much as they'd let me skip school. So <laughs> I, I'm really, really grateful for those early experiences of learning what Nashville is all about. And you talked before about getting singing lessons, bugging your parents for singing lessons. And I, I could not really find anything about your guitar playing online, like when it started, but then I ran into Ellen Brent, Brenton and she's down in Nashville. And was that when you met her, it was in around 2008, I think it must've been one of your first trips. When you met her, was that sort of the start of your guitar playing days? No, I'd actually been playing quite a bit before that. My, oh, okay. I had, I don't think I met Ellen until, till some later trips to Nashville, but I got my very first guitar was given to me by my grandparents when I turned 13, I think 14, maybe. And, um, there, there was a, 
a guitar teacher through our local music store that was recommended and his name was Adam and he was amazing and I I went and saw him for a few years for some guitar lessons and he's the one who showed me you know the the which chords you know three chords would go together to kind of create a song from and I left my very first lesson and went home and started writing songs so I'm super grateful for that um and then I just kind of kept playing and making trips. And as I, I was spending more time in Nashville, one of the the co-writers I was working with knew Ellen and and recommended um, getting to to learn from her. And she's she's incredible. I I've, I still love getting to ask, hey, how would how would you play this song? And she'll send me send me things, which is really awesome. So my and dad actually started playing guitar after I left home. And yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He got some lessons from her as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, we uh he goes for lessons too, which is pretty awesome. So there were lots of guitars hanging around the house when I left and he's like, "Huh, maybe this is maybe something we could do together." And he he just he started playing and he's really good. He's such a dedicated hard worker with anything he puts his mind to. So he he's working on what he's saying is his 10,000 guitar hours, which <laughs> is uh is coming around the corner. So um but yeah, pretty cool. And after you started going down, it was pretty soon after that you started jumping into the studio. Um, you were recording at the Sound Emporium in Nashville, right? Just a couple of years after you started going down. Um, yeah, that was some some early trips. We were definitely doing some demo demo recordings on some of those early trips, um, making some of the very first, you know, uh, I guess, yeah, songs that I I recorded and was able to to release in Canada is sort of the beginning of the path. And you had your two releases, one in 2011 with Real and one in 2013 with Light. Now, how did those recordings and just that process open your eyes to the industry and what it was going to take if you did want to do this as a career? It was so eye-opening. I mean, I just loved getting to witness what it's like in a studio to hear a song really come to life when a group of musicians, you know, sit around a room and count it in, play it a couple of times, and and then they record it. It's really quite a fascinating, magical thing that happens here. And, um, and I loved that. I loved the opportunities that those songs brought me as far as getting to try releasing some songs to radio in Canada and and the opportunity to really get to start meeting people on the road. You know, um, those releases were kind of happening at the same time of, of me starting to do some school touring and traveling around and meeting lots of just wonderful people. And it really gave me a, a just sort of get my toes in the water of falling in love with the process of creating music, writing music, being in the studio and getting a feeling for what it was like on the road. And the more that I learned from those songs and those very first projects, the more that I fell in love with music as a whole and the more very much and, you know, all the way in I felt and was excited to hopefully get to to come to Nashville and, and really jump in with, with a whole heart about it. And one of your first big tours was the Pay It Forward tour, where you traveled across Canada going to high schools and doing some motivational speaking and singing to the kids. And is it true that that was basically a plan to present to your parents to show them that music was going to be your career and you didn't need to go to college? Oh, yes, it was. It really <laughs> was. I mean, I, 
I sat down at the kitchen table. All my friends were filling out college applications. And I just was like, I had this feeling in my gut that that wasn't what the path was for me. I needed to convince my parents of that. And my dad's a big believer in Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour theory. So I sat down and was like, I got to get started on my 10,000 hours on the road. And here's how I want to do it. And so um, we tried it out through Alberta first and spent a few weeks, you know, in a motor home driving driving from one school to the next, getting the chance to wake up every day and do what I love to do, play music. And even more than that, that tour just really introduced me to the most incredible people. I'm, I heard stories about these kids in, in these schools who were making a difference in their hallways every day. And we got to recognize three students from each school we visited. And and hearing those stories and, and meeting those kids and those teachers was just, it was amazing. I had so much fun getting to be a part of that adventure. And, and when it worked in Alberta, we, we, we kept the motor home and we decided to keep it going. So we spent 32 weeks driving from one side of Canada to the next and <laughs> literally got to wake up and, and live the dream every day. That was my first tour, first taste of being on the road. And I really loved it. So I knew that once that tour wrapped, I had to, to get back to Nashville to work on the writing side of things. But I, I, um, that was definitely my first taste of being on the road, seeing new places every day and just being in love with that part of it. And it was shortly after that tour wrapped up, right? Like I think that tour wrapped up in like September, October. And then I believe it was December 31st of that year, 2013, that you jumped in the car with your dad and made a beeline down for Nashville, right? To make the move permanently? Yeah, I think you know these dates better than I can <laughs> recall them, but um, I think that's correct, yeah. We we loaded up my Tacoma truck and spent 45 hours together on a road trip driving to Nashville. And I definitely was had this feeling as we were getting closer and closer to Tennessee, where it was like, okay, this is a long way from home. I really hope this works because I don't want to have to drive 45 hours all the way back. <laughs> and what was the feeling like for you going down, like that whole drive? Like, what did you and your dad talk about? And what was the feeling within you? Was it just excitement of what was to come? It was lots of feelings. It was a lot of excitement for sure. And a lot of like, just the realization of what seemed like a crazy dream of moving to Nashville someday, actually becoming something tangible. And so just kind of really taking in that moment has a lot of emotions. It was like, ooh, okay, it's kind of terrifying because this is a really long way from home and from my comfort zone and all my family and everything. Um, so there was some of that in there and also just the fear of the unknown like is this gonna work am i making the right decision am i crazy to kind of be taking a bet on myself about this but i think underneath all of those you know different layers of emotions was just this quiet knowing and and going this really does feel right as scary as it is or lonely and kind of hard as that those first few years of living in a brand new big city in another country was it was like I really did believe at my core you know that it was where I was supposed to be and I'm grateful that 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 the comfort that that brought me was something I held on to especially once we got to Nashville dropped me off at this rental place and, and my dad flew back home and I was like all right this is real now <laughs> And you had Piff the road monkey, pay it forward, the, the road monkey when you went. Do you still have him? 
I do somewhere. I think he's in my keepsake box at this point. But yes, we had the the mascot because we had just wrapped up the tour and 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 kept kept going down the road. So that's right. And you talk about uh, you have them in your box. Talk about your vision boards and how important those have been to your journey and how full that box that you started. I think you just started it recently, but how full that box continues to get with the things that you're taking off your vision board and putting in that box. Oh, thanks. I've always, you know, believed in when you really see something and and look at it every day, you can, it's just, it makes it more, I think, focused and and the energy for those things to really actually happen it's it's kind of like a little prayer board or a a vision board and so um i've i had one of i had different vision boards all growing up i used to have one in my my room back at home in grand prairie and then when i came to nashville i had one and and just kind of have continued it in the last little while gotten definitely more specific with it and so i put all kinds of crazy things up there and um and then uh, honestly, a lot of them have happened. And so I, I get to take them off the vision board and put them in my little keepsake box and make room for something else to put up there. So um, it's, it's, I love that. I love that process. I think you can do a vision board about anything, any dream you have or anything in your life that you, you kind of want to manifest and bring closer to you. So I, I enjoy getting to keep working on that all the time. And I don't know if that's a pretty personal thing, but can you tell us what the biggest dream on that board is at the current moment? Hmm. There's lots of different dreams. There's ones that I, you know, are are really far away, like things that. Let's see. There's there's um right now there's a picture of a tour bus because we're still kind of traveling in, in a van with with our band right now, and I think that's sort of the the next goal that's a tangible thing to work towards. And that's right beside like being able to sell tickets to my own shows because mm-hmm. we we're having the time of our life getting to open up for so many of my heroes right now. And so look forward to to having some of our own run of shows hopefully soon. And um, but yeah, then there's, you know, I got to watch um, Dolly Parton, you know, s- s- be a part of the celebration of the 50th anniversary of the CMAs and was looking at her going, I mean, I, I hope for that lifetime achievement award someday or pictures of Grammys or, uh, you know, whatever those things are. And, and some of those things are just really fun to dream about. But to me, it's like the most important thing is the people get to, to hear some of these songs and stories and feel less alone because of them. So that's really what the biggest goals are on that, on the board to me or are anchored in, in the emotion of that. And let's talk about those songs and what they mean to people. When you released, finally in 2020, got to release your album and you, well, I mean, the the songs were coming out before that. And so as the songs came out and you felt how they were affecting people each time you would release a new song, what is that feeling like for you when that happens? Because I know they're very personal for you, but when you actually get that feedback back to you of how much they mean to other people, what does that mean to you each time? That's honestly just the the, the greatest gift. I mean, songwriting is my way of, of processing my emotions and feeling less alone in what I'm thinking or what I'm watching or witnessing. 
Um, but to have that kind of come back in the shape of a circle from somebody else hearing it and interpreting it or making something that had happened in their life connect to the meaning of the song for them. I mean, that's just, it's crazy. My One of my favorite parts of getting to be on the road is getting to meet people after the shows and hugging them by the merch stand and hearing their stories. And, it, you know, it, it's really remarkable to me to witness the kind of courage that it takes for somebody who I've never met before, you know, watching them find the courage to come up to me and tell me about somebody in their life that they've loved and lost too soon or what that jersey number used to be and how jersey on the wall you know made them feel comforted or heard and and understood or someone in their life that you know they love and who is out there on the streets or that you know they they've treated somebody differently that they've walked by with a cardboard sign since somebody's daughter and these I journal about all these stories because I, I really do want to remember them all. And it just it means the world to me to hear from people about about these songs and, and what they mean um, that that gives the music wings. And that's that's really the greatest gift to me. And when somebody's daughter went number one in early 2019, your first single that you released since moving to Nashville, what was that feeling? of having that song go number one in Canada and just what it meant for your entire journey since you moved to Nashville and sort of that realization that you were on the right path and that girl driving down with her dad with all these emotions, you know, it was the right decision. Ah, thanks for saying that. It was full of all of those emotions. I mean, it was kind of this surreal moment of going, this is happening. Like this, this is this is real life. I am awake right now. <laughs> People have heard this song on the radio enough for it to be in a number one spot. And that's just oh, something crazy. It still is wild for me to think about that. Um, but celebrating that number one was just, it was really wonderful timing too, because we, we were out on the road on the Dirk Bentley tour. And the first leg of that tour went from the east coast of Canada to all the way to BC and and it was really cool to get to celebrate that number one the the week that we were touring in Canada so um, I'll never I'll never forget celebrating that it it really feels like it's wonderful to celebrate any of those victories but I think there's something special about it being a, a victory from home and still feeling you know, open, welcoming arms from the community that I learned from and that I got started in and to to hear them be excited and accepting of, of this continuation of the path really means a lot to me. And with the Lemonade Stand, it's been out for basically a year now, and now you're moving on to your new music. What does it mean to sort of be almost leaving it behind and moving on to the next season of music and just having the memories of what that did for your career. Yeah, it's, it's something that I'm re honestly in the middle of processing as we speak. It's, it's that you'll never get to do another debut record like that. You know, it feels like a very special season of my life and I couldn't have, you know, dreamed about, the way that it came to be the details that colored in from what i'd pictured or imagined just really were so far beyond wonderful and um i'll i'll always have those songs to carry with me and 
I hope to get to play those and on this journey for the rest of my life. And I'm really, really excited for the new chapter that we're standing on the edge of now. I have this thing where I make a time capsule of a guitar where all yep. the symbols and lyrics are, are represented on 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 an instrument and so this is the second one that we're getting to start and i'm i'm still working on adding a few symbols and lyrics for some of these very first new songs that we're about to release into the world but um it makes me really happy to be continuing to kind of jump off of where lemonade stand has brought me and um i feel really hopeful and excited for the beginning of this new chapter and the new song is based around sort of finding finding that dreamer within you and, and bringing, bringing that person back out. And for you over the past, like 2018, 2019, were just crazy for you. And 2020, of course, slowed down a bit, but do you have to sort of remind yourself to look in and pull that dreamer back out that little girl who was creating tickets for her family to come to her bedroom and keep that dreamer alive rather than just focusing on what's next, what's next, what's next? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of why I love to journal and I think it helps me to kind of have really wonderful people in my life who are so great about checking in and being like, Hey, have you like, have you soaked, soaked this moment in? Cause this is really something cool. And, um, it's so, it's so important to do that because you're right. It's like, I think the, uh, the, the eight year old kid that I used to be imagining what it would feel like to stand on a big stage someday. Um, she'd be losing her mind at the things <laughs> that have happened these past few years. And I think it's so important for, all of us as human beings to remember what that courage feels like and that that kind of wonder to look at the world that way and see it as something beautiful and to really not care about what anyone thinks or says or care about how far a crazy dream might seem away you know that sort of blind belief and like just relentless courage that we have as the younger versions of ourselves is really something important and I do find myself kind of looking for more of that courage right now in my life so it's it was really fun to be able to process and think about that writing this song and i'm so 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 excited to get it out there and every time i see a little a little you know a young girl at a show or a little dreamer out there you know singing along or seeing how much that they just love music and love being at a concert it, it reminds me of what it used to feel like when i was their age you know singing out in the audience and dreaming of this. So this song also is kind of a, a send out to them, to the ones who continue to inspire me to, to chase the thing that I've been dreaming about since I was their age. And I've been talking to a lot of musicians about writing through COVID and the new music that's coming out. And they talk about the fact that it's the most personal and raw music, emotional music that they've ever put out because of the time that they had to just look within and write by themselves with other people. And so did 2020 have the same effect on you? Because I know your your music is always personal. It's very, always very raw. But the new stuff that's coming out, is it even more so because of that time? I think it is. I think being in that storyteller perspective is still my favorite place to write from, but I do think this year has really challenged me and pushed me towards being able to have the space and capacity to, like you're saying, reflect in this time and dig a little deeper personally. And I do think it's coming out more personal. And um, 
some of that is terrifying to think about and also just really exciting because it feels like just the right time to be stepping into that season of, of music and to have really had this space and time to think about what I want to say in this new chapter has been um, something I'm really grateful for. And it's been a, a, a hard year for the whole world and processing so much isolation and loneliness and change and tension and health and all of these things that are just a lot of really heavy things. And I think to me, music has proved even more so to be such a, a great comfort in that in that time. And um, I'm really grateful to have that as a safe place to turn to and really kind of process how I'm feeling about things. So um, I really can't wait to get to see everybody on the road on the other side of this because I've, I've missed the live part so much. So I, I, I'm really looking forward to, to getting back out there. And I feel us as a whole world getting closer to the hopeful light at the end of the tunnel. So um, I'm crossing all my fingers that we continue in that direction. And I was going to ask you about that live performance side of it, because you know how to command a stage so well, like just with you and your guitar, like you've done so much acoustic work and just the way you're able to command that stage, just you and your guitar, I've always found amazing. And so where does that come from? Do you know, or has it always just been there? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I think it's hard to really, I think, pinpoint that because it feels like when I get on stage, it's like, I don't know, I just feel a lot like myself and all the the voices of of doubt or just unkind things that we all have playing through our heads at, at any given moment. They go really quiet for me during that that time on stage. It's it's the quietest that my head ever feels. And it feels like the closest that I am to myself in and to the, a confident version of myself, the stage really kind of brings that forward for me in a way that um, I think no, the, the rest of this process maybe doesn't as much. And so I, I, um, I'm thankful for that space and time on stage. And I, I don't know, I'm sure a part of that comes from the way that I used to just really study. I'm like, I, I, I love to be a, a student of, of, experiences and every time I'd go I'd get to go to a concert where my my parents would would bring me and it was it was just the best thing to get to watch people on stage and learn from them and just really try to soak all of it in that I could so I'm sure that that it's a collection of of those moments of of taking that in through my life as well and talking about stages I can't let you go without talking about your first Opry experience because of course that was a pretty major stepping stone in your career. Uh, your community back in Grand Prairie, I believe sold out a plane, 140 people coming down to watch that experience for you. I saw the picture of you and your family for the first time stepping into that circle together when the, the building was empty. Talk about that specific experience and what it meant for you and what it meant for them at that moment, all stepping into that circle together. Yeah, that was wild. I mean, I'd been listening to the Grand Ole Opry and hearing about it with my grandparents for a very long time and dreaming about how cool it would be to play that stage one day. And I um, found out that it was it was going to happen. And, you know, people in my hometown used to, to joke that someday they'd all come to Nashville and see me play the Grand Ole Opry. And they were not joking because they really <laughs> did. They really did show up and they packed this airplane and 
you know, landed in Nashville and I'll never forget seeing them all come down the escalator at, at the arrivals terminal and it's just like the biggest hometown hug anyone could have imagined. And um, it was so special to, to share that that moment with them. And I got to bring my family backstage for a moment before the show started. And and we all walked out there together, which was so cool and emotional. You know, it's another one of those moments where it's like, wow, I pictured this in my mind so many times, dreamt about what this might feel like. And to just stand there in the, in the circle where so many people in the history of country music have stood in, in the place of realizing their dream um it's it's really hard to put words to what that felt like but it it was really spiritual to me and and just just imagining you know the angels in that that empty opry of of uh of the collection of country music history and to be able to hopefully add something to to that path and to that history was just a a really wild thing to think about and um sharing that with my family was wonderful we were all just dancing around and smiling and crying and um really special to celebrate that together and is there a special happy dance that you have with your grandparents and your parents because I see in a lot of pictures with them you're like kicking one foot up um oh, I was just wondering if that's a thing good question I don't know <laughs> we're all there are, my papa is quite a character he's always up to something so I'm just trying to keep up with him really <laughs> that is awesome and do we have any dates for the new music for an EP for an album have is it in the process of being recorded or where is all this new music in the stage of uh coming out to us it's in the works so i think i've written over 150 songs this past year mostly on zoom getting to to meet new friends in the world and create create music that's been my I don't know, like sanity this year has, has been kept because of being able to really step into this new music. So I've been recording vocals here in my music room and, and working on, um, I've been in the studio in the, the last little while working away at pieces of, of these new songs. And we've got Girl Who Didn't Care coming out on, on June 25th. So I'm yeah. super excited for that and more new songs to follow so it's going to be a bit of an adventure to the next collection of songs i think so um i'm looking forward to it kind of coming song at a time and and until the thematic moment to get to to put a collection together so um looking forward to being able to share more of that soon so out of those 110 or 150 songs are you continuing to demo them or have you picked out a selection of the songs that you do want to record or is it still just wide open to what songs you're going to be picking along the way it's a living breathing thing you know i think there were a handful out of those songs where it's like all right these are the ones to start with and so um you know some of them had already been demoed it's it's a bit of been a different process this year because it's less like let's go book a book a studio and record a bunch of these it's kind of been recording as we go through the distance and working on some of these things from home. So um, they've kind of all, you know, got different versions of the of the recordings as we've been moving around and and moving through this year. So some of them have definitely lifted their hand. Like to me, it's looking at the songs from very much a thematic perspective and going, what are these songs saying and how are they strung together musically and by the subject matter that they're talking about and how can we kind of group these things together to 
to create a window of a, a perspective of the life, the part of my life that I'm in right now. And I think that's what art really is, is a way to just sort of pause time for a second and you kind of look in through the window and go, oh, this is what it looked like at that moment. And so it's really important for me in selecting songs to, to think about it from that place. And um, it makes me really excited to share what what it's looking like through that from that place. So I can't wait to get more new songs out soon. Yeah, we will look forward to that. And thank you so much for joining us. We will be excited for the new music. We'll be excited to see the new guitar once it's all finished with yeah. all the new songs that you're going to be releasing. And I still have so much more to talk about because like over just like I say since 2018 you have done so my so many amazing things and it's so fun to talk about it so I'm hopeful maybe later in the year when we have some new music to talk about we can have you back on and uh, relive some of the great moments and and talk about what's to come as well well thank you for saying that and thanks for celebrating these moments and and being there to to lift up this music it really means a lot to me and I look forward to getting to chat again soon down the road yeah.